0: You see, the thing is that I didn't die. And and so you got to celebrate that. I mean, after all, we celebrate our birthday, don't we?
1: I read something on your website that I'm not sure I'll ever read on another website again and really jolted me. To celebrate my 23-year anniversary of being blown off a mountain, I'm going to do this. Joe, yeah. a very big welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for being here. How do you celebrate something like that?
0: Uh, thank you very much, Christine, for having me on your show. And, and yeah, I mean, it's like any opening, really, if you open with a bang, I, I suppose that gets someone's <laughs> attention. Uh, and, and 23 years, I mean, I'd I you've read a little bit about my incident. Um, you see, the thing is that I didn't die. And... And so you got to celebrate that. I mean, after all, we celebrate our birthday, don't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Pr- pretty much every year you do. And, and as we get older, I suppose maybe we don't celebrate as much or we or we maybe switch the figures around uh, to represent a different age. Well, yeah, I mean, because I didn't die, it meant that I got a diff- a, another chance, if that makes sense, yeah. at doing some stuff. Wow. Uh,
1: so we'll go into that if you're OK with it. But it wasn't the first time that you would be able to say, I didn't die. You had something else happen to you when you were younger. Can we go back maybe a little bit further? Because yeah. I think this is what a part of what shapes you as the transformer that yeah. you are and the work that you do today.
0: Thank you. Um, yeah. I, I mean, what it, I, I was uh, my mum my was a devout Catholic. Right. and And she wanted me to be a priest. I didn't take that, I didn't take that road. Uh, but I did, I did, I did give in some way because I became an altar boy, right? Uh so altar boy which was which was good at that time, and you had to be hard to be an altar boy because some people picked on you. Um so so um and then my mum said to me, Joseph, you're going to go to Lourdes to help the sick on a Liverpool pilgrimage. So I thought, well, I'm 14, what do I want to do that for? I'd rather be out with my friends, having a good time. So you've got to understand that not everyone's as fortunate as you are. So I thought, that's a fair point. So we all, uh, I, I turned up, uh, I got a lift from my mum to Liverpool Cathedral uh, on the day after my birthday, day after my 14th birthday, the 21st of July. Uh, everything was great. I, our chaperones, health and safety out the window. You got forty-six kids getting on a getting on a coach, right? Fourteen year-old kids, and our chaperone was one one priest, two nurses, uh, two nuns, and three nurses. Uh, so we get on. Everything's great in the UK. We get across to France, driving down just outside Paris, and it says, "Right, okay, we're stopping for a, a comfort break." Out you go, kids, um, and you know go and have a comfort break, go to the toilet, buy some stuff. So i full of energy, run down the coach, jumped off, boom, hit by a car. Oh, and nice. it wasn't looking good. I, I, I'm i just totally unconscious. I wasn't sure what had happened. And I woke up uh, a day a day later, and apparently what had happened was that, that one of the nurses had given me the kiss of life, and maybe under different circumstances I'd be, still be with her. You know, but at the time it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was a kiss to save my life rather than a kiss of passion. And I was only 14 as well. Um, went to the nearest hospital in Chartres and they said, no, we, he's too serious. We can't do anything for him. Blue light me to Paris. And uh, then that was when I, I was fortunately, there was a, a consultant surgeon over from Canada on an exchange and he was a top. Orthopedic surgeon, because what had happened was I found out later that I broke both my legs, tibia, amphibia, and, and my right femur. I paralyzed my right arm. I was in a coma for 10 days and I actually died on the roadside three times. That's when the nurse resuscitated me uh, at the age of 14. So life was in a bit of flux and in a coma for 10 days. And, and wake, I wake up and the first person I see is a big strapping black fella he was a nurse he was the gentle giant he was absolutely but you know you you meet people and they stay in your mind yeah he was and the canadian the canadian surgeon was just brilliant and oh. uh, I, and and my mother had a bad heart so she when she saw me uh she went into shock and she was in the bed next to me in, in the trauma ward
1: oh my goodness wow so you were then put in a wheelchair, I believe, and told you wouldn't walk again.
0: Yeah, pretty much. It would be. It would be, be. Yeah, you'd, you'd have to work hard to walk again. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right, and you did. I did. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, and and at that time, I, I was in the army cadets, and I always wanted to join the army. So when when someone says you might not walk again or it's going to be difficult and your arm's paralysed, well then I. I suppose, because I know we discuss nurt- communication, nurture and nature, is it drilled into you or is it born with it? Well, I'm not sure I was born with it, but my upbringing certainly um, made me think that nothing's impossible. Uh, so long as you've just got to have a determination and drive to want to get over a challenge. So I, I, I just decided... Okay, well, that's your opinion. This is my opinion. I'm gonna join the army in four years' time at 18. Right. Um I, and I, it was funny because at the age of 16, I wanted to sign on. Obviously, I'm not the age of consent to do that. And my father said, Oh, you'll never stick it. So I was just counting the days from age 16 to 18 when I could go down, go to Liverpool um
1: and sign up. Yeah. It's amazing. I was chatting to my grandmother the other day about my initial dream when I was a teenager, and it resonates with a lot of what you're saying. I wanted to join the FCA at 16 because you couldn't um. sign up at, at 18, and someone said to me, "Your eyesight is too bad; you won't be able to do it. They won't let you in." I wish that somebody had said, "You won't be, you wouldn't be able for it, and you wouldn't manage it," because I'd have pushed harder. But some, yeah. for whatever reason, I just accepted that I wasn't going to get in because I couldn't see and I never applied and my life took a very different direction. But it's incredible hearing your determination start at such a young age. And as you say, from your upbringing, now, nah, you know what? I'm going to find out a different truth for me. Yeah. So you joined at 18, went on then to, was it the Marines that you, you went I, I,
0: I joined. I joined the engineers, Royal Engineers. Mm-hmm. court of royal engineers oh and by the way i, I do believe as well that because i just picked up that you, you never did something because you were told you couldn't well i, I mean the thing is that i think that whatever your journey because you're successful now right and whatever your journey is uh still be twists and turns in your journey and not everything goes to plan and sometimes you listen to the doom and gloom merchants and sometimes you just say do one mate uh yeah. not interested <laughs> so and and I think that the only decision you, the only wrong decision, is the decision you didn't make. Oh, yeah. Because there's no wrong decision. You just got to make a decision, go with it, and then see if the outcome achieves the result you thought you were going to get. And if, if it doesn't, it's there's no wrong decision. You get whatever you get. If that makes sense.
1: A hundred percent. I believe you completely and agree wholeheartedly w- with that. I shouldn't say believe. I say I, I agree with you. I've made many of those decisions, some of which have, have worked out as the way I thought they were going oh, to, <laughs> quite a different direction. But that's yeah, what that, life is all about. I saw something it about a plot twist yeah. on, on something this morning. I thought, but sure, plot twists are just life. It, it, expect yeah. nothing and yeah. live. Anyway, let's go. We can go and philosophise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, long, so I'll I come, I back, hear I'll your come story. back. I'll
0: bring it back into what you asked. Uh, I joined the Corps of Royal Engineers, which, in my opinion, uh, is is the best regiment in the British Army. I mean, you, if you if you interview someone from a different regiment, they'd say the same. The thing is, with the Royal Engineers, we're first in, last out. So we will build bridges, we will breach minefields, we will do water supply, we can build roads and airfields. We do de- we build bridges. We also b- blow them up with demolitions. We can do pretty much everything, and we can set up. Uh, a field unit with water supply, shelter, the lot, everything. Uh, and we, our primary role is obviously a soldier, but our secondary role is a combat engineer. Our tertiary role is a tradesman because I qualified as a plumber in the engineers.
1: And is that what brought you to the side of the mountain? That would no, no. Explode? That's di-
0: that's different. That's okay. a different. Uh, yeah, because yeah, very very astute of you. When I i i left the engineers it, i was in 1981 to 1988 then i became a financial advisor um and then after that well I'd, be, I'd been a dj in a doorman in the military to earn some extra money uh, and that was it that was great uh I, the way i got the way i got into djing was we were in a corporal's mess uh mess meeting with and the regimental sergeant major says right okay Okay, gents, uh, the mess DJ is leaving. He's posted. Who wants to be the new mess DJ? And my mate threw my arm up. So he said, "Well done, Corklow Connor. That's a good, well volunteered." And that's what got me into it, which was very good because when I left in '88, in 1992, interest rates went up to around 15, 16 percent. So having learning to be a financial advisor, and after the '87 crash, no one was really investing. And there was a big, there was a big uh, hangover about that for many years. So being a DJ and able to earn extra money while I was learning to be a financial advisor was pretty handy. Then rejoining the military uh, on my first, on my mat, when I got married, the mother and father-in-law provided a deposit to buy a workingman's club that had gone bust, and we turned that into a nightclub. Uh, which was great because I was a DJ, I organised the security, and I used my financial skills to organise the money. Um, got, having been realising that it still wasn't fulfilling my excitement, then I rejoined the military in the territorial army, the part-time army. And, and then uh, when I went for my interview, they said, you're ex-military, aren't you, O'Connor? I said, yes, sir. I said, right, you're in. Uh, you don't need to do basic training again. So one more thing, though, before you leave, you do realise this is the bomb disposal unit of the Royal Engineers, and and I thought, okay, well it's the Royal Engineers, bomb disposal. So long as I read the pamphlets and do my homework right, um, then I'll be okay. So I joined. I mean, obviously some some of some of my mates didn't do. Uh, didn't have a good time and some did it just depend where where you serve but the the fact that about the communication is throughout my military career I I recognized how important clear communication is because your life can depend on it you know if communication isn't clear and the message is the right one then people can be sent to the wrong place or uh, and there's a whole ramifications of that. So I recognise how important clear communication is.
1: Okay. I want to ask a different question, but I'm going to ask the one that I, I'm being told. <laughs> I say I should ask. When I say I'm being told, I believe that the, yeah. the questions are sent to me or what comes up from what you said. So let's go to the nature and nurture then. Do you think... Clarity and communication is something we can nurture in us or it comes naturally? I, I think that
0: for some, it, my opinion is it comes for some more naturally than in others. I do believe that you can be nurtured certainly um with because when i when i did my nlp practitioners and trainers course i recognized that blinking it the army's been doing this for years it just wasn't called nlp mm-hmm. because they say jump and you just say how high uh it's not a question of no or on a might do it's just yeah course it's like uh yes is the answer what's the question so i believe that if you taught communication strategies uh, and orders, for instance, when you're giving orders to men and women, there's a certain process you go through. And the first time you do it, it's not that great. Um, and then you get feedback from your sergeant or corporal, who, by the way, is your mentor or coach. Uh, and, and then it happens that you just repeat uh, rinse and repeat until it's until it's good enough. Mm. If that makes sense,
1: it does indeed. Uh, what's the difference between how you give orders to men and how you give orders to women? Is this in in the military, or do you mean in
0: general? It, 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 well, I, I was to tell you it's into, classified now. I, I, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I, I was referring to the military, and men and women are uh, are treated the same. Uh, it, it well, there certainly were the way I, I the, uh, the way I dealt with situations. Mm. The only, the only, the only reservation I would make in that statement is perhaps when we're bridge building, right? Because the 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 bridges are heavy, right? Now I'm not saying that women can't lift them because I've seen some I've seen some women stronger than blokes actually because uh, uh, I've, I've served with them mm. on average though the the physical strength of of a woman isn't the same as mm. as as a man and and uh, if someone can challenge me on that and prove me otherwise then that's great in my experience though I wouldn't I wouldn't want to put a, a group of women building a bridge in the same oh if I did I, I'd make sure that I made allowances because we could still do it. Oh. But if that makes sense. But everything else, like bomb disposal, when I was in the bomb disposal, I, I worked alongside women. Okay. Bomb so disposal.
1: maybe I, I misunderstood you there. I thought that w- when you were saying about giving orders, there's a certain way to give orders to a man and a certain way to give orders to a woman. And they're slightly uh, different. Oh, no,
0: no, no, I did no. I, I, okay. If that was maybe, a message that I sent, <laughs> if that was a message I sent across, it, it, that okay. wasn't meant.
1: Because it's, it's an interesting one. The reason I probe on it, is because men and women hear each other differently.
0: That's Uh, interesting, yeah.
1: And so if you come to me and you start to bark orders at me and shout and start telling me what to do without me saying that I would like some guidance or advice, my triggers are going to fire a little bit inside me from my life experience. And I'm going to hear you differently than if you had come and said, what do you need? Or would you like this information? In the same way as... If a woman comes and starts to natter at you like this and give out and scream and shout, potentially you may hear an angry former partner or wife or mother or something along those lines. So we hear differently. Uh, hence my my question about giving orders.
0: No, that that's great. I mean, the, the structure of orders is always the same. Mm-hmm. The the delivery is down to the leader or okay. the person, the person who's giving them. I mean, it and it just depends what what we've got to do because if 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 you're in a firefight right you're screaming over the over the gunfire and you're just pointing and giving directions and it might be and then there'll be numbers uh, and then you'll be identified with numbers and stuff like that and then in in a more sanguine environment where it's a bit more relaxed then then you can do different things i always believe in in coaching someone and to get the best out of them and understand that there's, there's different types of people different characters in a section and that goes in civvy street as well i mean you know it's it's exactly the same uh it's just that the situation is maybe slightly different
1: civvy street for anyone who's listening meaning for civilians as opposed to military thank, thank you just in case <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh i'd like to go back if we can to the mountain but just not yet what can we learn from communication in the military that can be taken into everyday life or into the workplace?
0: Mm. The communication in, in the military tends to be pretty direct, and and what it what it does is it cuts through a lot of what I would think is sniping. What you know, if if you've got something to say in the military. I'm not. I'm not talking about you. Just be disrespectful. That's not what I'm saying at all. If you have something to say, it's just best to get it out and and share it, uh, because then you can decide what to do with a relationship or a situation, and it's out in the open. Whereas if if you tend to hold back and and maybe you start talking behind someone's back, that'll get that will get around. So it's it's about honesty, really. That that's the that's the number one thing that I discovered. Honesty and trustworthiness. Because you gotta depend on each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Very true. And if we think then about the workplace, you work with entrepreneurs and veteran veteran entrepreneurs. What is yeah. it? Veterpreneurs? Uh, Vet entrepreneurs, very good. you up on that, yeah.
0: Entrepreneurs, yes. um, yeah. but I, I, I do say for the uninitiated, veterans, and business owner entrepreneurs, and I, I, and my clients that I, I work with with on um, financial advice and estate planning, the the communication has to be very clear there as well because I, I write reports, which is the written word, but also my communication skills on explaining complex, sometimes complex situations from a financial point of view need to be clear as well so i suppose everything throughout my life has been about getting it as clear as possible all the time
1: so we're really hearing this theme of clarity clarity it's a lot of what i talk about with clients and what we need to cut through at particularly the higher levels in the organisation, the use of acronyms and ambiguous phraseology that people don't really understand or follow, particularly not if their first language isn't English. Yeah. So what techniques then or strategies do you take into businesses that help them to speak more or communicate with more clarity?
0: Well, that's very... Uh, a good point that you brought out about acronyms, because financial the financial services sector is full of acronyms. I mean, e- everything pretty much. And and my 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 eldest son is now all of a sudden, which I, I'm I'm really proud of my three sons. Uh, and my eldest decided that he doesn't want to be a quantity surveyor anymore because he said that's just a, a building accountant. You know, deciding what materials are needed—it's an accountant. So he's, he's switching now, and he's studying to be a financial advisor. And I had a chat with him. He's doing really well. He's he's, he's passing his exams. But he said to me, he said, "Dad, there's a lot of a lot of acronyms here, aren't there? uh, and there's a lot lot to learn." And and I think that one of the things I take take to into meetings and when I'm with entrepreneurs. I say, right, okay, it's it's important that you understand me at all times. And if I use something, a term that you're not familiar with, like Civvy Street, then well, I'd, right, call me up on it I, and, and, and we can discuss it. So I need you to be sure and clear about what I'm saying. Does that make sense? So I, okay. I suppose, yeah, it's important to just cut through And get to exactly where you want to be, because that's what we do with our mind. See, because I hopefully I'm cutting through and answering your question. I know we've gone off a few times, but I I can tell whether you're getting it because you're either going to nod or you're going to shake your head. And if you shake your head, then I've got to reflect on what I'm saying and how I'm saying it.
1: Well, that
0: depends on where I'm from. If I'm from India and I shake my head ah, like yeah, that, it means yes. Yes, one <laughs> of my very greatest much? lessons. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well, well, yeah, it is, Uh and I didn't say which represented which actually. So, but, <laughs> but thank you very much for that. Yeah, that that is interesting, and and you know, I I find that the, um, the the 1980 sales course where it said body language, if someone's got their arm crossed, or oh, they scratching there, and then then they, they're not open and actually I cross my arms quite a bit and I sit back and i cross my legs and that's mm. how I relax sometimes mm. so I think it's about watching the whole situation and the whole person um yeah
1: yeah yeah I interviewed somebody recently on body language and he does negotiation and sales negotiation with organizations based on this ancient art called Minxiang, Chiang, the ancient art of face reading. But yeah. he would say the same thing. It, it's about the whole picture and very much comes from a lot of Asian cultures, actually. When they're asked to take a picture of a person, there's been research done where Western cultures, and I'm very much generalizing when I say Western cultures, will take a picture of the portrait shot. So like you and I can see of each other now, our heads and our shoulders. Yeah. Someone from, I think it was Taiwan was that particular research, took the person in the chair with the environment behind them.
0: Right.
1: And the discussion was why, um, what constituted the person. The The argument from Taiwan was, well, when you can see the whole picture surrounding the person, then you get an idea of where they're at and yeah, who they are. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh you said something a, a minute ago that made me think, and I had another question for it. Clarity, cutting through, acronyms. Oh, yeah. About you saying to people when you come into the, the room, if I say something that isn't clear, call me up on it. Ask me about it and let's have a conversation. I call that preemptive communication, yeah. preempting what might come up. Have you ever had a an experience where somebody resisted you opening up that space
0: nothing springs to mind because mind you yeah i i, I do remember someone who who seemed pretty closed to um being open if that makes sense they, they were there, yeah. yeah and and even though the words said, Yeah, I'm okay. The body language was telling me something else was behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and it took me extra time to build a rapport. And sometimes, sometimes uh you I would imagine you'll know what I mean when I say sometimes you just gotta say I'm not able to help you. Oh. Uh, like it's not it's not gonna work because. I spend the first uh, first part of an interview uh, getting to know them and them getting to know me. And, and I, I, I quite openly say, it, especially with, when I'm dealing with people who want to invest and they're looking at the future, I say, well, this first meeting is my opportunity to get to know you and your opportunity to get to know me. And it's about responsibilities as well. It, responsibilities in the relationship, what i'm going what i'm going to do for you and what you need to do in return if that makes sense so i think i i always emphasize that it's a two-way communication and i'm not able to deliver what i say i'm going to deliver unless they do their bit
1: yeah absolutely Uh, communication is a two-way street or three or four or five, depending on how many yeah, of yeah. us are in the engagement. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you make a lot of sense, Joe. Do you mind if we go back to the side of the mountain or on the mountain? No, no, no.
0: I've got I've got no I've got no no bother and and on that. And I know um it's something that that actually makes me who I am. I mean the first the first incident at 14, but this one was um, the only reason I go, I change from the Royal Engineers to any other regiment. There's one regiment that I would do. And in, in 1999, I made that move. I transferred. Um, and it's a long selection process. Uh, it's a year long. Uh, so it's pretty difficult. I'm, I'm, I was age 37, right? Which is for this regiment an old timer, right? Okay. It's like, like being a pensioner and,
1: and this isn't the the royal engineers this is a no it's not version. the royal
0: engineers uh, okay. I, I, and so on the initial select pre-selection 67 of us took took part in it and and i'd, I'd trained really hard because i've been a physical training instructor in the army so i okay. knew what i had to do uh, and i was training seven days a week uh, and i came third So it's pretty tough because the sergeant was looking at me and he said, Are you sure you're up to this, O'Connor? I'm
1: 37.
0: Yeah. I said, Just give me a go. Uh And that's why when they're talking about Djokovic and Andy Murray and the footballers, like now they're able to get them to to stay in sport a lot longer because sports people used to be over finished at 29, 30. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my brother carried on professional rugby league player, captain of Ireland into his 30s. So, so I just thought, give me a chance. And I, I did that. Then uh, come to 1999, October the 30th, and my anniversary is coming up, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was hellish weather. It was terrible weather. And you can Google it or Google or show you what the weather was like on the Brecon Beacons. And there were eight of us left. I think and it was about you said,
1: you said where Brecon Beacons is Brecon this. Brecon
0: Beacons in Wales. It's in Wales, okay. Well, yeah. Mm. The Brecon Beacon Mountains. Uh, lovely place to look at. When the weather's terrible, it's hospit it's inhospitable.
1: But Ireland not inhospitable, what does it mean? Sorry. Sorry. I say I, I was just saying Ireland. It, it, Ireland is stunning, but when the weather is terrible. Uh yeah, uh, it's not inhospitable. That'd be that's a, well, a bad but it, thing for it can be challenging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right.
0: Okay. So, yeah, and uh, some of the some of the guys weren't mili- weren't ex-military. They were ten soldier army straight from civilian street, and they were saying, "Oh well, we're not we we won't go out tonight because uh, during the daytime we've been blown out like confetti, even though we're carrying seventy pound on our backs in a burger in a backpack." Uh, uh and i said i think we will because we're training to be the best in the world right enough half past 6 about half past 6 came and we heard a shout get on parade so we're all out there we get out uh and off we go pitch black can't see a thing uh we managed we went up the up the, the mountain got to the top and we were just being blown over uh continuously blown over and all of a sudden, my my seventy pound burden becomes light. Then it's heavy. Then it's light. Then it's heavy. I'm thinking, what's happening? Then it's light. Then it's heavy, and it stays heavy. And I think, oh, that hurt. I'm lying, there. and then that Saturday night, a fast day. Monday morning, as I'm opening my eyes, I'm looking around in the hospital. I see all white, and I think, yeah, I am in a hospital again, aren't I? smelling antiseptic, and this chap in a pinstripe suit standing there, really handsome-looking official, and he looks at me, he says, Mr. O'Connor, he says, you're out with the SAS on selection. A gust of wind lifted you off, off your feet. The, uh, when the weather was horrendous. You shouldn't have been there. I thought, Tommy something, I don't know. He um it threw you down the mountain ravine, 400 foot, and you'd broken your neck. C5 is shattered, C6 is broken, we need to operate. I thought, oh, well, what happens if you don't operate? Well, you'll probably be paralysed for the rest of your life. I thought, oh, well, you better operate then, aren't you? He said, well, you can't sign, so your verbal agreement's good enough. You can't sign a document. Uh, So, And then as he's walking off, because remember, only a few days earlier, I was, I was running like I was fit as 10 men as, as we say In the military uh, I said oh doc One more thing before you go can you patch me up Because um, I'm running the New York Marathon Next Sunday He said Mr O'Connor I, I'm not sure that you've understood What I said You're paralysed and you won't be running any marathon Next weekend and we will do our best To patch you up um, uh, And we'll see you later so then I'm I'm lying there thinking, hmm, <laughs> this isn't looking good. And as I say, only a few days earlier, I'd been running s- six-minute miles consecutively, and I was, I was f- looking to do a marathon in under three hours. And then, and then
1: being told you not only weren't going to do it in three hours, but potentially we're never going to do one again. Yeah. Again, for the second time in your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, th- this time, though, this was a serious one because the first, the first time, you see, because as you get older, right, when you're the kid, right, then you become, especially be, uh, as a, as a a young child, like there's no worries. You 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 know, you got a clean slate because you're learning all the time. At the age of thirty-seven, stuffs happen, but I still, even despite that, it's about the self communication, right? Clarity. No, this isn't going to beat me. I'm not letting it beat me. You can, you can do what you want with to me. You're not the one thing you cannot take away is my self respect. Ever, you can't take that away, and you cannot take my drive to succeed in whatever way. Successes because success is different for everyone mm-hmm. wow.
1: well thank you for sharing the story you did go on to do a marathon i believe
0: i did yeah 14 years later uh, just before we move to that though i will say i went through a divorce as well uh, okay. I, and i didn't my my wife was pregnant with my second son at the time and then there was difficulties about uh visiting and that and that's that that was testing that i suppose that would be a low point and and i nearly went bankrupt and stuff um but you know it like we like i said before like right, you it, it my mum used to say to me words to the effect if it doesn't kill you it'll do you good or it'll make you stronger yeah. and, and at the time it might not seem like it right um um so that That's one thing that I'd like people to remember, to think of. It doesn't matter how bad it gets, ever. It, if you just see beyond what you're actually in at the time, is it it's always gets better, mm-hmm. so long as you've got that belief. And then coming back now to my marathon,
1: yeah, Just before Uh, we do, if you don't mind, I'd like to go into what you said there because you're bringing a a very, very important message and it reminds me of something that I read when I was looking into you before we met today about choice. In one Mm. of the bios that you have, I think on your transform page on LinkedIn, or Transformer page on LinkedIn, the word choice is repeated throughout it. At 14, you made a choice not to be beaten by what happened. When you you broke the your spine your spine was it? your neck
0: yeah neck spine yeah yeah
1: you made a choice not to let that beat you when you were in the depths that you were in with bankruptcy and divorce you made a choice yeah not to let that beat you because very very easily it can if we don't make that choice yeah to not allow it to what other than that very famous phrase, what doesn't kill you make us, makes you stronger or will do you good, that certainly I as an Irish woman grew up hearing as well and allowed me to make different choices for my life too, yeah. Yeah. not to stop. What else do you work with clients with that helps them to make different choices? Or do you believe, I'm using believe again, do you know? Because there's a difference between thinking and knowing, Joe. isn't there? Yeah, yeah, as you say yeah, in your yeah. book, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. what, is it, what is it that makes you know you have a choice and then make a different choice that lets you see beyond what you're in at that time?
0: I I believe and I know <laughs> that, well, you see, one of the things that I, I discovered um, when I was learning about neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and timeline therapy. Timeline therapy is really interesting because it goes along a person's timeline, and you can do past, future, and all sorts of all sorts of weird and wonderful things. The the point is though, is what I discovered is that values and beliefs of a person are brought from, I believe, a culture. Uh, and and for in, for instance, I, I was working with a lady uh, who someone had referred to me and it was only a phone call and usually I would have I would see I would see as we were talking about the whole person I would be able to see the situation in. And I I couldn't but I went through a process because after with because she's 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 in the police, I'm ex-military. So we got a pretty similar sense of humor. Uh um and we had a great conversation. So I'd already built rapport. And she had a, a trust in me. So the fact is that I knew she was confident that we could do that. I could help her with something, which which meant that I've already I'm off I'm off the start line, because I went through a process that usually I would need to be face to face, usually real real life, not on a telephone, and. I could see the physiology, and then I would also go through a process where I may need to touch her knuckle or a shoulder. So I didn't have any of that. But because she was so um clearly distressed because she was crying, right? I thought I've got to do something here, and and the congruency, right? That's something else. I believed well, I knew I could go through this process and I knew we were going to get a great result, right? And I could tell from her reaction that she knew we were going to get a great result. So so we be- we believed, if you like, that it was going to happen. So then we turned belief into no, right? Because when you believe it so strongly and you practice it, then then all of a sudden it becomes fact. So then you know it. And at the end of it, I won't tell you exactly the words that she said, but it was it was words to the effect of flipping heck, bud, you're a, a wizard. Right. Uh, and that was that was really satisfying because that was about communication, listening, because the only thing I had was the the tone of the voice and, and listening to the emotions from that. Does that make sense? Is,
1: yeah. So, if I clarify that my understanding, this was a woman that you met who was very clearly distressed. Yeah. Had you met face to face, or no? No, you I was introduced. Yeah. Yeah, and you had a, built a rapport already, or you had kind of a preset rapport because you came from similar backgrounds—being yeah, the yeah, police, yeah. being the military. Yeah. So there was an an element of trust that existed already. That you didn't yeah. have to build that trust. She mm. needed something from you. Believed it, believed. I'll tell you why in a second I keep talking about belief because somebody shifted my thinking on it recently. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. Uh, she firstly believed and then, uh, from what I understood, moved into knowing that you yeah, yeah. were going to be able to help her through it. Yeah. You knew you were going to be able to help her through it through a process of finding congruence in her tone of voice or bringing her into congruence was it yeah, to, to
0: her yeah. Tone of voice? well, well I, I was congruent in what i was delivering which gave her the confidence mm-hmm. to appreciate that i could do it and i knew that i had i had a process where i would i would use a whole selection of um emotional situations which would then deliver an outcome uh it like anchoring but but I think that the way I've, I've described it is better—a set of emotional, a set of processes that that gave an emotional response, if that makes sense—and
1: okay. allowed her to check through, or yeah. maybe open up some of what she was feeling and understand it differently,
0: and and, and recognise that flipping it, how daft that,
1: effectively, right? Yeah, to to question what was once a truth. Yeah. and then became uh maybe a different type of truth or different yeah modality. yeah exactly yeah so that's true the likes of time gra- t- timeline therapy uh, using some hypnosis yeah. NLP, it's a, a set of different modalities that you use it's,
0: yeah I, I, and actually do. when i meet clients whether it's it's uh financial clients which by the way i would never use hypnotherapy with um the the there's a time and place for everything what i say to clients whenever i'm working is like i have got a bag here a tool bag and it's got like 60 years of stuff in it right some of it's technical some of it's professional knowledge and some of it's just experience and as we're chatting i'm just going to metaphorically just reach in there and say, "Oh, we'll try we'll give this a go see if this works and if it suits you, it does. If it doesn't, well, we'll just put it back in and get something else out until we've got an outcome that is the outcome that we want. Whether that be that unlikely in the majority of cases, but whether that be that, right, we're not going to work together. To the to the more, more common factors, right, yes, we can work together. How are we going to do it? What is the outcome we want? And let's start
1: that uh, metaphorical toolkit that lots of people like to talk about just thinking, as you say that now i wonder how we can have different options for the toolkit the artists box <laughs> the dj's what would you call it as a dj the record box
0: the record box yeah
1: yeah full <laughs> yeah. of different sleeves the cool tunes
0: and, so, <laughs> yeah. and, and it was really interesting you know what even when it had a few beers right I had a whole load of records just piled up before there were had MP3 players. You so were an actual podcasts. DJ. Like, yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and, and, uh, because I was DJ before Fat Boy Slim. Uh, and he, that goes back a bit. And, uh, did say, Oh, can you play this? And I just go pop and they just move three and then I just pull it out. And that was just, again, repetition, clarity on what you want. The message that you want because guess what in those tunes there's loads of messages yeah. there's either a slow eat the slow dance where it's romantic or you've got the tearjerker, or you've got the christmas tune flipping it uh, when christmas tunes come on you know what time of year it is don't it? And you start <laughs> your foot and everything
1: absolutely it's uh, funny you say that about the tunes each time I've experienced or lived through something and come out of it with a different degree, level of understanding, I, I look at it as the spiral of life, or the spiral of awareness yeah. and we move up. I listen back to music I listened to when I was younger, Lauren Hill and Alanis oh. Morissette, and oh, different people yeah, like yeah. that. And and I hear them with a totally different ear. Oh, that's what yeah. that means. I know what that means now. Yeah, 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 yeah. The message yeah. is completely different. And sometimes yeah. I say, gosh. Funny, I'd known what that meant before I did that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I finally made a different decision. Very, very interesting. OK, so we've got the two We've talked about uh, you, you, your different experiences. Then you went and you you ran a marathon after the mountain, after the surgery, after the divorce, after the bankruptcy. Joe was uh, basically saying to the world, I will not be giving up on you or on myself. You said you can never take away my self respect.
0: No, that's right. Yeah.
1: So what happened? How did you get to a marathon? After all that,
0: uh, my my wife uh, came with me. Uh, my two elder sons couldn't make it, but my youngest son uh, from the, the my wife Tracy now, uh, gave birth to my third son. Uh, he was only a baby and uh and we went to New York uh, and I ran it for charity I I didn't get the, the charity didn't pay for it and anything I paid I saved up and and paid for it and my wife and my son and then we ran for charity transformation for veterans which is a charity I founded uh, uh to help veterans and help them overcome PTSD and I, it was great you know uh I didn't get anywhere near the time that I would have done back in 1999. But the fact, uh, the the place is just, it, it's great because you get all around New York um, in a different way and it's all cordoned off. And I remember one lady jumped out in front of us, not in a sinister way. She had this post and I've got, I'm sure I've got a photo of it. It says, for the next 20 seconds, I'm your biggest fan. Oh, <laughs> and that was at 18 mile. Wow. And, in, and at 18 mile, I, I was, I was, yeah, it's when you feel a bit tired. <laughs> yeah. And that, that bit... was really nice. And they're all applauding you. And you, you go through all around New York. And it's brilliant. Yeah. My, my brother did it.
1: But I mean, it's incredible. Uh, what you touch on there with that lady really shows how even a momentary word phrase or a pat on the back can help somebody to move forwards at a much greater pace than they thought they would be capable of
0: yeah
1: and that's i think what you do in your work as a, a pathfinder i see the books behind you there as a transformational coach as the transformer yeah, 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 <laughs> not a bumblebee <laughs> so joe we're coming to the end of, of an hour together and I think we could probably spend a hell of a lot more time together and there's be a huge amount more to learn from you. What yeah, is a message I, I, that, sorry.
0: Go no, I, 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 and, and it's been wonderful uh, chatting to you as well. Yeah. Thank you.
1: I'm really glad to hear that. But I was going to ask there before I ask my last question, what is something that you'd like to add, if anything that you had wanted to share today or you feel would be of benefit to the listeners? Just before Joe adds his extra bit of wisdom that he wants it, people to be able to take away, I'm going to cut into a bit that we added after our conversation and the full recording of the podcast From, for two reasons. One, because I recognised that we didn't talk enough about Joe's charity and two, because he recognised it himself that it's something that he probably should have added in in a little bit more detail because he's so passionate about it. It's really incredible what his charity is doing. So this next week part is a little interlude of me dropping back to getting Joe to talk a little bit more about his charity, and then we'll come back into the episode and finish it off. You mentioned something about a transformation or transforming veterans and a charity that you have earlier. Oh, yeah. When you were doing when you were talking about the. Marathon. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, of course. Well,
0: what what I discovered, right? because from my store from my story where I fell off the mountain, or blow, I jumped off the mountain, whatever you want to call it, but oh. I ended up down the mountain. well I, as I'm as I'm recovering, right, it becomes apparent to me that I've got some strategies to to get over failure and push through for success. And I didn't know what it was. So I went on this journey with the NLP and the timeline therapy. And I I don't know about you, if you're anything like me, right? As you're learning about something, you might go, ah, and the penny yeah. drops. And when I learned about this process and that process and something else, I thought, that's how I did it. That's how I got through that. But be, with, Without that training, though, I could never have gone to you or a veteran who's having issues, and say, look, using the old-style military technique, look in a dictionary, mate, because that doesn't work for everyone. You know, the only place you'll find sympathies in a dictionary. Well, that doesn't work for everyone, and I recognise that. So I wanted to learn how to, to use systems, and I got that. And then I thought, when Iraq, Iraq 2 and Afghanistan kicked off in 2009-10, um, I was listening to the radio, and you know, media, they always sensationalize stuff. Uh, and such and such has died, and today there's been three soldiers killed, and whatever. Well, I know that IEDs, improvised explosive devices, aren't meant to kill you, right? They're nasty, they're meant to maim you. So when your buddies come in to get you, there'll be more of a body count, right? That's a nasty part of war, conflict. So setting up the charity transformation for veterans was what it was all about. And that's what the marathon marked as well. And that's why I was raising the money, because PTSD, and now see PTSD, because now it's not only post-traumatic stress disorder, it's got complex in front of it as well. Well, the fact is that it's the past, right? you got no control over the past. Today is the first day of your tomorrow, right? So if you just keep living in the past and you keep reliving it, yeah, I, from from what we discussed, from and you so kindly brought out everything about my challenges, trials, and tribulations, right? If I lived in the past on those trials, challenges, I would be a mess. Because I'd just be reliving that, you know, you might never walk again. You're not running a marathon now. With what I've done and equipped myself with, I I am able to just all my the magical thing with how I work and what I've been taught from people who are far better than I am at it. Well, now I'm pretty good actually because uh, I've done it that many times. But if you could remove anger, fear, sadness, hurt, guilt from from a memory that'd be pretty cool wouldn't it Mm. because what makes up ptsd is anger fear sadness hurt guilt over the situation that you experience so you remove those negative emotions and then that's it it's gone you can leave it i still remember lying on the side of the mountain i just don't remember it in a way that i've got any bitterness or anger any any of that stuff, uh, it's just something that happens, which allows me to go forward. So the charity is all about that. And we have planning permission for 23 lodges. We've still got to cr- cross a few T's and dot a few I's, but that's what I'm looking to do with sponsorship. we from companies, get people involved and really move it forward because team is all about together. Everyone achieves more. And actually I've done a little bit of a different on that. Together, everyone's attitude matters. Mm -hmm. together everyone's attitude matters i like that can
1: i just jump back though very quickly what you said you've got planning permission for 23 lodges what do you mean when you say lodges
0: lodges right they're 20 foot by 40 foot which is pretty big three-bedroomed uh lodges uh with a training center where i will deliver breakthrough workshops and it's for the wives husbands as well because and the children, because they're part of the equation that's left behind, because I know that I know veterans, ex-military, who've gone away for two weeks, three weeks on a breakthrough, come back, and they're cured. And then the wife says, what the hell? What about us? You've made us suffer for the last three, four, five years. You've gone away for two weeks on a jolly. It's not a jolly, actually, but on a jolly. And... You come back and you're cured. What about us? So the the lodges is to bring in the family, so they can all go on the journey to recovery together. And and that's my legacy, just the same as Pathfinder uh, and, and the transformation for veterans, the charity and the lodges. We've got the land sorted out. we we've, we've got the, we're getting the planning permission sorted out. And and I just want to leave a legacy because long after I'm gone, I just want something.
1: That
0: will continue helping people because that's
1: Fantastic. what I love doing Fantastic, well thank you for sharing it sounds like a big mission that has an even bigger heart and to achieve any sort of a mission we need to have a hell of a lot of heart because heart is where our courage comes from yeah,
0: well, it is. Yeah. I like that, it I to like that. Yeah.
1: well it's the etymology of the word isn't it, the core C-O-U-R yeah. from the French I think heart and why the lion needed a heart in in Alice in Wonderland yes Uh, not Alice in Wonderland (laughs) what am I talking about in uh, uh, oh Dorothy Yellow Brick Road oh yeah yeah Yellow Brick Road
0: yeah yeah Yellow Brick Road Wizard of Oz yes thank you (laughs) yeah I know I know exactly where you're (laughs) coming from I love that film I can watch it time and time again
1: oh that's fabulous well thank you for sharing that Uh, I'm glad we got it added in it's very important work that you're doing because, as you say, too long after you're gone, there will be veterans, unfortunately. The sad reality mm. of our world is that we're yeah. likely to have war for a much longer time. But you, Joe O'Connor, are doing something about helping people heal after it. How wonderful is that? Uh,
0: thank you. Um, yeah, your podcast is so brilliant. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome.
1: All right, let's move on. What is something that you'd like to add, if anything, that you... Had wanted to share today, or you feel would be of benefit to the listeners?
0: Yeah, the most important most important communication I I I know that there is on this planet is self communication. It it does not matter what anyone else thinks. I, I've, I've got I've got a caveat on that slightly from my rotary days is. Because uh, I I I always say to someone now when when I'm coaching them, so long as it's so long as it's legal, no one gets injured and no one's financially disadvantaged. Let's do it, and let's do whatever we've got to do to get you there. So self communication, uh, having a good coach or mentor, and and as Churchill says, disregard political persuasion. He said, never ever give up. And that's a, that's a mantra I take through with me uh, and uh, don't let them grind you down because the doom and gloom merchants will always be doom and gloom merchants. So it's best not to involve them in, in your life because because it's not going to do you any good because I think you can, know you can is everything.
1: And that's the book that people can download free i think yeah. from your website so yeah, we we'll have yeah, a, a link to that in the show notes for sure Because yeah. there's definitely a lot around that it, actually that was what it was on, on belief the guy i mentioned uh, interviewing about face reading faces a couple of weeks ago said something about belief during the interview and i hadn't thought about it in that way before it comes from this principle called non-credo again it goes back to the, the philosophy and uh traditional medicine in, yeah, in yeah, china yeah. But well, he made me think about the word belief in a different way. I can believe it, but that doesn't make it true. No. And you also touched on it then with that lady where it began as belief. And then it became truth or it became right. knowledge. Well, I mean, what's true for me could be true for you in a very different way. So let's maybe not use truth, <laughs> but it becomes knowing. And what? when I say I believe I can do that, well, I'm not entirely sure. Well then, do you believe it or do you know it? I know it. I know I can get through it. I know it's hard, but I know I can see another side. Maybe I can't see it clearly right now, but it's there, and I'll just keep on moving towards it, however way I can.
0: And that's an interesting point you make. The, of course, there's always differences in opinion, and what I what I've grown to appreciate is that. It's about respecting other people's boundaries and respecting that they I I can respect your opinion. It might not be what I, it might not be my opinion. It might not be what I believe is scientifically possible, but I've got to respect it. Uh, I've got to respect what you believe or or your opinion, because that's
1: what, that's part of your makeup. Sure. I mean, I'm sure there'd be a lot of people on the planet that would say, well, if you break your neck, you're never going to walk again. Yeah. You yeah. might say something very, very different. I,
0: I, I, and along that, I am not sure how, because uh, I'm I'm classed as what is called an incomplete tetra. So my spinal cord was damaged. I, I I still have pins and needles, numbness. I can't feel hot and cold like most people can. I I have uh, um, pain in my neck um, and and stuff. The fact is though that that the point I'm making is. That it's what I choose to do with that, you know, and and how I choose to use it, and and you know, uh, I was just going to give an army phrase then. And, oh, go uh, for
1: it, uh, like, if you're allowed.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you might you might um, cut this out, but I remember in. In my training, in the training days, basic military training, when we, we've been given this, it was like real frosty, well snow, in fact. And we were told we had to dig a, a six foot trench. So I'm pickaxe, and my mates got my oppo's got the shovel, and then we switch over. And after a couple of hours, we've only dug a, a few inches deep. And the sergeant comes up to us and said, uh, "O'Connor, oh, what what what's your game? This is supposed to be six foot deep." And I thought, well, if if uh, if I answer. I'm going to get a rollicking, and if I don't answer, I'm going to get a rollicking. So I just thought, I looked at it and, and batted my eyelids, like fluttered my eyelids, and thinking that's my best shot. And he said, O'Connor, oh, I suppose you want some sympathy, don't you? I thought, mm, if I say yes, he's going to hammer me. If I say no, he's going to hammer me. He said, the only place you'll get sympathy, O'Connor, is in a dictionary by shit, between shit and syphilis. Now dig. <laughs> And that that was at the age of eighteen, right? And I suppose when you're talking about communication, I think that that puts the icing on the cake because that that that, yeah, because that's part of nurture.
1: But that yeah, I know we could extend way into this. You you can be nurtured to to believe believe. To think you need sympathy or to be used to getting sympathy. Yeah, yeah. And then that can be very quickly nurtured out of you when yeah. you hear a phrase like that. <laughs> a very well spoken one. <laughs> Here's the <laughs> <a> dictionary. <laughs> Open, look it up. You Don't be coming looking for it from me.
0: <laughs> I, I thought he was going to come up with some philosophical, educational <laughs> a bit of piece of academia. And then he, he followed through that and I thought, all right, okay. Fair enough. Dig,
1: <laughs> did you get it, Doug? Uh, yeah. It is. Mm -hmm. Enough,
0: enough. It was an impossible task, to be honest. And that was all about character building.
1: Yeah. And teaching you when to speak up and when to shut up and know that you just needed to get things done sometimes, I'm guessing. There is one question that I ask everyone on the podcast, and that is about the the title of the podcast, Connected Communication. So, just before we go and, and share about how people can find you, what does connected communication mean to you?
0: Connected. That's a great question, that, and deserves an answer,
1: right?
0: <laughs> which I'm going to give you. Super. Like, connect, connected communication, to me, means that your communication style has to connect with your message or with the person that you want to communicate with. So, so, and I'd like to think that during our dialogue this brilliant podcast with you we've had connected communication and of course there have been times when you've wanted more on a particular aspect of what i've said and then there are times when we've had to move on because otherwise we could get stuck in one part of what we were talking about so i think connected communication to me also is about respect
1: thank you so much I love it it's it's a question I don't respond to because it's different for everybody just like you said about opinion oh well it's been an absolute pleasure having you today and as I said I do believe that there's a huge amount more again there's that word believe but I do know there's a huge amount more that we could talk about but for now Joe we'll we'll start to wrap up and say goodbye before we do that where can people find you how can they get to know you better or, or work with you if they're interested
0: well, actually, the, a great place is joeteams.com. Okay. Joe Teams, J O E Teams, dot S.com. That's the easiest place because there are some resources on there that are free. Then there's also a place where you can register. You can get access to the Pathfinder, which is my life in a program, uh, three journals, which shows you success systems and then how you record it. Uh, So JoeTeams.com is the easiest way. And then Think You Can, Know You Can is is my downloadable book as well. Thank you.
1: Fantastic. Well, we'll have those links in the show notes as well. So anyone who is listening, if you do want to stalk Joe a little bit or maybe track him, we can use an (laughs) army phrase. Do follow those links and, and get in touch and have a conversation. It all starts with a conversation. There's never any harm in that. It has been an honor to speak to you, Joe to learn from you to hear your story to be inspired by you thank you so so much for being here
0: and likewise christine you're an absolute star thank you